1: Hello, welcome to the Online Marketing Show. I'm your host, Joey Bushnell. Today we are joined by a top copywriter, Doberman Dan. Go to dobermandan.com to find out more about him. Dan, thank you so much for being with me today. It is my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Dan, how did you become a copywriter? Well, I'll make a long
0: story short. Um, I was a police officer and decided I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And so I, I tried various businesses for the 12 years. I was a cop, uh, 12 years, full-time cop, nine years, part-time entrepreneur, but every single business I tried to get off the ground basically failed. And so finally, I wanted to try the mail order business. Um, because, uh, I was introduced to Dan Kennedy's magnetic marketing kit and I, I thought <clears throat> I bought it to try to to use the marketing info for one of my failing businesses. But when I saw what he had done, he had just sold me like paper and ink and a couple cassettes for $400. I thought, well, that's a way, <laughs> that's a way better business than what I want to do. So I want to do that. I want to, I want to sell, sell paper and ink by mail order. Mm-hmm. So, um, I needed good copy for that, but was completely broke, so I couldn't hire a copywriter. So um, I had to learn to do it myself, and I learned to do it just to, to to write a copy for my, my very first mail-order business in the bodybuilding market.
1: How did you become known as Doberman Dan? You're known all around the internet as that. Surely it can't be your real name, so how did that take off?
0: Well, I guess um, it was... It was around the mid-90s or so that I started this, uh, this very first mail order business, w- which I said was in the bodybuilding niche. Mm-hmm. Would that happen to have been a hobby at the time of mine? So I figured, well, why not make a hobby of business? So um, I I, I, I produced my own bodybuilding course, uh, you know, published my own course, but, it was still all published under my re- real name, Dan Gallup, Um I started selling online in 96. Um, I mean, this was like seriously back in the wild west days of the Internet. Mm-hmm. Um, I, basically, you didn't even really have established URLs back then when you were first starting out. You had these crazy. Free pages on Tripod and stuff like that. So I had one of those pages that, which eventually morphed into DrugFreeBodybuilding.com. And uh, so I started writing regular articles for that website. And one of the articles was about my Doberman when he was still a puppy. You know, probably only weighed. You, you know, uh, of about 50, 60 pounds, he got in a fight with a Rottweiler that was twice the size, but my Doberman, um, won the fight because he was so lean mm-hmm. and muscular and fast. So I wrote that <clears throat> I wanted to switch from my, you know, p- power lifting phase of eating everything in sight, um, you know, and get lean like my Doberman and I signed it Doberman Dan and all the followers of that. You know, of that particular, of those articles at the time, they started calling me Doberman Dan. And it's stuck ever since. So even, even though I sold that business and have gotten in and out of various other businesses, the Doberman Dan moniker continues. And plus, like I was telling you earlier, my, I, nobody can spell or pronounce my last name. It's not even spelled correctly. It's supposed to be a French spelling and nobody remembers it. But everybody seems to remember Doberman Dan. So I didn't come up with it. Um you know, my 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 readers basically grabbed a hold of it and ran with it and I'm sticking
1: with it. So these days you're teaching copywriting and you're writing copy. If we go over to your website, what sort of things can we expect to find?
0: Well, um since my very first successful mail order business, that was after the nine years of various other businesses, which all failed. I've been a, a serial uh, direct response marketing entrepreneur and serial online marketing entrepreneur. <clears throat> so my model has always been I've always started my own businesses in a variety of niches, um, run my own niches, written my own copy, Um, occasionally I would do client work here and there when asked, but I never really pursued it. Um, with the exception of a, a a period of about a year and a half when I worked with a copywriter known as Gary Halbert, a rather famous copywriter during that period, I did do a lot of client work, but they weren't my clients. They were all his clients. So I've always, with the exception of that period, I've basically just been a serial, uh, direct response slash online entrepreneur, wrote my own copy, occasional, occasional client work until, uh, last year in February of last year, 2012, I sold one of my last remaining businesses, which was my uh, the third supplement business I started, which was also in the bodybuilding market. So I sold that and started freelancing full-time just a year ago. The the website you're referring to, DobermanDan.com, I think I started in 2007 just as a way um, to start getting all these – um direct marketing lessons i've learned from the school of hard knocks get them out of my head and onto paper so to speak digital paper i guess um and so i i've lost count i think i i've got close to 250 different posts on there all all about uh you know being an entrepreneur it's it's been all over the place joey <laughs> when i first started it was uh, accommodation of just, I just wanted to get all my marketing lessons, um, you know, preserved for posterity, some success lessons, some, some, you know, uh, personal relationship lessons. So, um, mostly it's about being an entrepreneur, direct marketing, copywriting, online marketing, but there are a few, uh, what I feel are some vital life lessons I've learned that may seem a bit off topic, but those are included on there too.
1: So let's talk a little bit about being a copywriter and what we can expect if we were to take this route as a career ourselves. You mentioned on your site about a secret, a secret to charging high fees as a copywriter. What is the secret?
0: Well, your your timing for that question is good. Actually, your timing for everything, Joey, is really good. Um, Thank you that's why i appreciate this invitation to to chat with you um today <clears throat> because the this past year uh, like i said um i've always been a serial entrepreneur the client work has been something i've only done occasionally um but this past year when i decided to sell that supplement business and do client work full time it has been a crash course in Being a freelance copywriter and dealing with clients and all the, all the stuff that I observed Gary Halbert do when he was dealing with clients and the stuff he tried to teach me, which unfortunately, I guess I wasn't paying much attention at at the time. All that has come flooding back to me. All the things I've heard Dan Kennedy say over the years about working with clients. It's just come flooding back. It's almost like, you know, I've got a little Gary Halbert on one shoulder, a little Dan Kennedy on the other shoulder. And they're like, this entire year, they're saying like, for the love of Pete, we've been trying to tell you this for 20 years, you know, and now finally, you know, you're finally paying attention. So, um, I have, uh, stuff that I should have learned and, you know, should have paid more attention over the past 20 years. Has been, has been reinforced about a million times over the past year, uh, since I've been freelancing full time. And one of the biggest lessons has been about charging fees and, and charging high, high fees, which kind of goes hand in hand with only working with certain types of clients. Um, the way I look at it, you know, once once you have a proven ability and that you can get results, whatever those results are for your client, um, you know you can generate leads. You can get people opting into an opt-in page. You can get traffic for them. You can get the sales copy to convert um, um, at at a at a cost per acquisition that's acceptable for the client. Whatever the goals are for the client, once you can do that and you can show results that you can do that, I don't care if you've been writing copy, you know or you've you've been a freelance copywriter for hire for the past two months or the past thirty years. Once you're a proven entity, you are uh you're what you're able to do is extremely value extremely valuable to a lot of businesses and not just online businesses or businesses that use direct response marketing. If you choose, you know, you can market your services to a variety of businesses, including brick and mortar businesses. My God, those guys need your services worse than anybody. So I don't care about number of years in the game or any of that stuff. Once you're a proven entity, and uh you can accomplish the goals that the client wants you to accomplish, you're extremely valuable to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my most humble but accurate opinion, um, I believe that you should be charging value-based fees. Um, what a lot of service providers, especially copywriters do, is they go around and do little formal, informal surveys like, well... What's the going rate for a squeeze page? Or what's the going rate for a sales page? Or what's the going rate for this or that and this or that? And I'm gonna price myself about there or maybe a little under there. You know, under that price. I, I think, you know, that's not I I understand a lot of rookies doing that. You know, that that term is used to when a police officer is in the academy, the the veterans you know, call them rookies and actually almost for the, your entire first year, once you get out of the academy, the veterans call you rookie or rook for short. You know, it's, it's an, it's a newbie. It's a new guy. Mm-hmm. And it's always said on the police department, it's always said with this disdain, you know, and it's usually said when you screw something up, you know, like that you get the, the, the crew gets called into the sergeant's office for, you know, getting a, a citizen complaint or doing something wrong and the veteran always like as you know, his response is, it was the rookie, you know, <laughs> talk to the rookie, it's a rookie's fault. So when I, so it's a holdover from when I was a cop. When I say rookie, I mean a relatively new copywriter. Mm-hmm. But I figure, you know, once you've proven the value that you bring to the table, if, if you're, uh, you know, you've made sacrifices to to learn to do what it is you do. Um, in many cases, you've made sacrifices. Most other people don't have the discipline to make. I mean, it requires a, a certain amount of study. Most importantly, what it requires is taking action and, and putting things into action that you've learned and and the most painful part of that is putting that stuff into action and making mistake after mistake after mistake to get it right. Now, the reality of human nature is most people will never make it that far um, to discipline themselves to gain those skills. So if you've gained those skills, you've become one, one valuable guy or gal. Mm-hmm. And I figure if you're going to, you know, invest the time and go through the discipline to learn that stuff, um, and develop those skills. And you're going to invest the time to, uh, to work for clients and, and, and write client pieces. You should get paid as much as you possibly can. Mm -hmm. We could talk on this one topic. I've learned so much from Gary Halbert about this, that within the past year now, I've now had a crash course in it myself by making a lot of mistakes. Um, We could talk for hours about this, but one of the most important secrets to getting high fees is simply ask for them. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And, and most importantly, after you ask, um, don't laugh. <laughs> don't you know, don't. If you're face to face, don't smile. If you're over the phone, or whatever, or on Skype, don't laugh. Um, don't flinch. Don't mentally flinch. You basically ask for the fee and you shut up mm-hmm. and you don't say a word. If the if the other person re- remains in shock for a half hour, <laughs> well, then put your mic on mute. If you can't if you can't control your mouth and you can't remain quiet, put your mic on mute because the next person to speak is is going to be I hate to use the term loser, but is the loser in this negotiation. Mm -hmm. So the most important thing is just to ask for the fee that you want. Um, If if you bring value to the table, um, in many cases the you know the fee that you're asking is going to more than pay for itself. Good copywriting shouldn't cost anything. In fact, it should make the client a lot of money. So, even even what you may think is a high fee, you know, in a client's mind is not a high fee. So, um, ask for what you think the job is worth and then shut up.
1: Do you regularly turn away copywriting jobs if you feel it's just not something that you want to be getting involved in or you just don't see that it's a good fit for you? Are you more than happy to turn that project away?
0: I turn most of them away, as a matter of fact, um, for a variety of reasons. Most, A lot of them get turned away before they ever get to me. I have a, a bit of a screening process. <clears throat> they have to go through a personal assistant of mine. Who refers them to here's how I work website, which has has changed every so often. I I keep trying to make it more and more and more difficult. Um, It it depends on certain clients. If they're if they're clients I know, um, and I'm familiar with their business and I'm familiar with how they work, a lot of times they can bypass my initial step. You know or if I've worked with them before, or, or one of them was a ma- one of them recently was a major publisher, um they were able to bypass my first step because it wasn't appropriate for them. But if it's somebody new, I've made this initial step rather difficult for most people. So for most people, it's it's just it, they don't want to jump through my hoops, so they eliminate themselves before they ever get to me. The ones who do jump through my hoops, a lot of them get turned away just because I, I just don't feel that they're a good fit for me. I don't want to work in that particular niche or for whatever reason, um, I don't want to work with them. If we do wind up having a conversation, <clears throat> if I immediately get a bad gut feeling about them, they're, they're gone. And you know, about that question do i turn copywriting jobs away and your question about fees there is a very pragmatic reason i can do that um i can only take the really high fee gigs and i can turn away most of the copywriting jobs i'm i'm offered if if you would like to hear that pragmatic reason um and this is something I encourage most young copywriters to do. There is, a, there's a financial reality here. You have, you know, you probably have developed some really bad habits. Um, I imagine you have them too, Joey, that like myself, bad habits that you have to support. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially because you're married to Christina and you have little Joseph Jr. You have these bad habits, and probably Christina and Joseph jr also um they enjoy sleeping indoors and they probably enjoy eating somewhat regularly, don't they?
1: Yes, they definitely do,
0: okay, so I imagine they'd be pretty disappointed with you uh if you weren't able to uh to provide those to them yes, so there's a financial reality here um we have to there's a there's a saying. In the U.S., I don't know if it translates to the U.K., but we have to cover our nut. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you need a a basic income to make sure you're paying the rent, the mortgage, you know, uh, paying for the services you need, electricity, all that good stuff, and putting food on the table. And the faster you can get yourself in a position where that monthly nut is covered, however that is, is the the much more quickly you can be much more selective about the type of clients you work with, and you can start asking for those high fee, uh, and start seeking out those high fee jobs, and only accepting them. And there's a very pragmatic way that I did that. Um, uh, when I, you know, like I said, my, being a full time freelancer, I'm only a year into that after a. 18 year entrepreneurial career. And the way I did it is I immediately started seeking out um, retainer clients and I got a couple retain a couple clients on retainer. We defined what services I would provide and what they would pay every month. And and because I'm paranoid, I made sure that even just with one of those retainer clients, my, you know, my income would cover the mortgage and food and all all the basic utilities. With two retainer clients, I could relax. And so, you know, so from a practical standpoint, all the bills were covered, even if one of the retainer clients left for whatever reason. Um, With two of them, I could relax, and it allowed me to be extremely selective about other clients I could take and, and I really encourage, um, y- you know, freelancers to get themselves into some kind of situation like that where their monthly net is covered. It's, it's great to, it's great to talk all the attitude stuff like, well, you know, Hey, you know, you request these high fees and you turn down these gigs that you just don't feel are ideal and blah, blah, blah. But hey, a rea- the reality is you have to pay the rent and you have to eat mm-hmm. and so um, you know you, the, there may be gigs you have to take that aren't ideal paying gigs, whatever. but the sooner you can get yourself into the situation where the monthly nut is covered, um, the sooner you can you know start being way more selective about what clients you work with and and only going with a higher fee opportunities.
1: Brilliant. So we make sure that the bills are covered and then the extra on top, we can afford to be more selective. I guess in a way, the fact that people do have to go through this process just to get to you, there is no neediness from your end and they're probably going to be mentally preparing themselves that they're going to have to pay quite a bit to buy your services. So do you find that when you do come to reveal your price, do they gasp out loud or are they a bit prepared? They kind of knew it was coming
0: um they yeah in most cases they are prepared for it because they're the, the 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 hoops they have to jump through they're prepared that there is a um a minimum a normal minimum range of fees depending upon what they want done mm-hmm. they're prepared for it the whole system is engineered so you know they obviously know there's no neediness you know now you can try to engineer it so Even if there is a neediness on your part, you can try to engineer things so you don't broadcast that neediness. the 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 problem I've had in the past, because listen, I've been, I've gone broke a lot. Um, I've had so many businesses fail. I've, I've done so many stupid things with money. I've gone broke and I've had to start over a lot of times. The problem is even if you try to engineer things in your copy or your qualification copy or whatever your client process is to to try to broadcast that there's no neediness, the minute you have personal contact with these people, if there is a neediness, I mean, if you are truly in a financial situation where you need the money bad, I mean, you're three months late on the rent, no matter how hard you try to fake it, for some reason – most people can sense that neediness that's why you know I mean, listen, I love talking about the mindset stuff and everything, but uh I'm just I don't think many people can fake that. A lot of people are forced to fake it. Um, I think the better way to do it is my way. Cover your basic nuts so there truly is no neediness. So when you're talking to a client and you get a gut feeling. Hey, this guy is is, is gonna, he's already a jerk upon our first contact, mm-hmm. and th- here's a lesson you can take to the bank. I've learned when any relationship starts out, the teeniest, tiniest, little bit weird, there's something not quite right when the relationship first starts, whether it's a first contact via email or phone. it never gets better, it always gets worse. So you're on the phone with the guy and you think, geez, he's kind of already a, a jerk on the phone. I guarantee it's going to get worse. You know, you should probably walk away from him. But when you need the money, you take the gig and you wind up working with a jerk and you wind up hating the guy. That's why, you know, it, it, you're just in a better situation if you've got your basic nut covered. And I'll, and I'm such a pragmatic guy, I will even say, that if you keep your day job for a while, whatever your day job is, if you have a stable day job while you're starting, you know, your work as a copywriter, as a service provider, whatever you're doing, you're still going to be in a much better position because your day job has your nut covered and you're just going to have so much more power in negotiating fees and, and sifting and sorting clients.
1: Would you recommend that copywriting freelancers use self-aggrandizement? Is that a strategy that you would employ, Dan?
0: That is so contrary to my real personality. Um, just to let you know a little secret, when I picked the, when I, the, the Doberman Dan persona, when I started writing as Doberman Dan, the copywriter and not the bodybuilder, mm-hmm. I developed a whole persona around him. And he's somewhat of a tough guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he doesn't accept any excuses. And and if you read my blog, although I've I've tamed it down more recently, um, Doberman Dan occasionally uses some colorful metaphors that offend people. Certain word choices that <laughs> occasionally offend. You know, and he's kind of like a, a, a an army drill sergeant. It's all part of the persona. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my real personality is not like that. I mean, at times, yes, at times I am like that when I want to get all fired up and passionate, but most of the time I just want to be a laid back, likable, um, you know, guy and have most of my life been quite self-deprecating. Um, <clears throat> so Halbert always used to say, you know, we're, we're not in the copywriting business. We're not in the seminar business. We're not in the guru business. We are in the self-aggrandizing business, and a lot of people found him arrogant. Which the people who actually knew Gary knew actually knew that was the the public persona that you saw wasn't his real personality. He was actually quite humble, but you know, self-aggrandizement and letting the world know you know, uh, uh, about what you can do and the value you provide as a freelancer is important. The problem is I see most people do it wrong. Mm -hmm. I now for some reason, Halbert's public persona was able to get away with, um, the arrogance because it wasn't taken offensively by a lot of people. Some people, yes, but it wasn't, offensive to a lot of people. It was uh, actually amusing to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And he was able to get away with making statements like, you know, I'm the greatest copywriter who has ever lived. You know, there is nobody who could do, uh, uh, who could write better copy than me and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I see people try to do that and it just, it doesn't work for them for some, for, for whatever reason. I, I see very few people that that works for. First of all, what's way more important than you say about yourself is what other people say about you. So, uh, it's, it's way more important that other people are talking about you and talking about results you've gotten for them. Um, there is a fine line. There's a way to self, there's a way to self-aggrandize. There's a way to promote yourself that doesn't come across as arrogant and you can do it using stories or you can talk about results you've gotten for certain clients um, you know standing on a stage or standing on a proverbial platform whatever that is a a, a blog or a newsletter and and pounding your chest talking about how great you are um, just doesn't work for most people it's it's going to be a turn off for most people um there, there also is a balance to this, the, the, the self-effacing, um, self-deprecation. You know, I was told my entire life that's how you were supposed to be. And even if you're good at something, you know, be very self-deprecating about it. And, um, I, so that, that's the complete other opposite end of the spectrum. Uh, you're going to go broke. If you're a copywriter and you use that approach, you've got to find some kind of balance between the two.
1: Okay. So let people know that you're good, but don't do it in a way that's going to turn people away and and make them resent you.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I, I think the best way to do that is to let other people do it for you.
1: So you've created this Doberman Dan persona. Is there any way that we can create our own larger than life persona as a copywriter or marketer?
0: Well, I think it's a good idea because um here's one thing I've discovered what clients are looking for, and I just had this conversation with a a uh, a service provider the other day. you know he, he actually heard the client the client's sigh of relief on the phone when he expressed uh his confidence in his own ability. She was just looking for somebody who could just, you know, rather than waffle and say, well, you know, we may, you know, we may, we may not get these results. It may take a while. Well, it depends. All these waffling answers. His answer was, yes, I can do that for you. And you know, he literally heard her sigh on the phone. Um, people are looking for a leader. Um, and a lot of people who hire consultants or freelancers of any kind, they're, a lot of them are looking for a scapegoat. They can't handle the responsibility themselves um, or it stresses them out or they don't want the responsibility of the results if things go wrong. So when they hire you, you become that person. You take everything off their shoulders. So a person who's kind of wishy-washy and, well, you know, they ask a question and the answer is always uh eh, it depends. Um you know, I I don't know this 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 could be we could get these results you want, we could not. It it depends. You know, even though that's the truth because you can't predict anything and all kinds of different things can affect your results and all a variety of things outside of your control can affect the results of your copy heck the copy is just a very small portion of a success of of any uh, website or direct mail piece or business or anything and all that is outside of your control people are looking for a leader and the larger the life person persona or personality helps um it's, it's basically just creating a uh a more confident, better version of yourself. Your good qualities get exaggerated. Um, your bad qualities either aren't mentioned or or they're mentioned as a way uh, to teach a lesson. Like, you know, my going broke a bunch of times. Well, you know, that's been very instructive for my clients, and I've explained exactly how – you know, people don't understand how can you go from making millions to going broke? Well, I, I can tell you, it's extremely easy to do. <laughs> I'll tell you exactly how to do it. <laughs> so, you know, the bad things I use as instructional lessons and, in, um, you know, we're all flawed, fallible and hurting human beings. Um We don't need to portray that when we're positioning ourselves as the expert and trying to get hired as an expert, we need to portray um, the best version of ourselves that we can. And one way to do that is to create that larger than life persona. Um, You know, don't, don't go over the top. Don't, don't make yourself into a superhero. Um, In fact, superheroes are a great study. Every superhero has a weakness. Mm -hmm. So if you create this larger than life persona, that you're the best copywriter in the world. You've never had a failure and everything you write turns to gold. Well, you've just completely destroyed your credibility. Um, but if you create your larger than life persona, magnify your good points, but yet still talk about your faults, you know, you, um, you know, in a way that's instructional, that's how you create a, a persona like that.
1: You mentioned that there are some outside factors which affect the results that you can get from your copy. Do the top A-listers always write great sales letters that make a great ROI? Or can even the A-listers still sometimes go wrong?
0: Most of the guys that we that have been positioned as you know the best of the best and are are, are the copywriting heroes, most of them um, fail more times. Their pieces fail more times than work. A, A great example is Agora, one of the largest direct marketing companies in the world. They have the sharpest direct marketing minds working for them. They have these nerdy uh, accountant engineer guys with pocket protectors who have these crazy um, computer programs that can predict stuff that, you know, that, that seems impossible to predict as far as numbers go. They, you know their their managers are the best in the world their marketing directors are the best in the world you know they've got decades of experience they hire the best copywriters in the world here's their track record out of every 10 projects that they try on average 7 of them are are bombs and are abandoned because they just show no life. They're not even worth pursuing. Seven out of 10. Of the remaining three, two are, you know, to use a baseball term, are base hits. Mm-hmm. Um, they're tweakable. They could be improved, but you know, nothing to write home about. One possibly is a home run and is a, is a big hit. Mm-hmm. That's out of 10. And that is with the best talent in the world, um, more money than God to work with to test these projects, the best marketing people in the world, the best copywriter copywriters in the world, that's their average track record. So now why should the rest of us expect any better? You could resurrect um, Gary Halbert, Gene Schwartz, um you know, combine uh, um, you know, Robert Collier, um, Caples, combine their minds with the greatest living copywriters in the world now, Jim Rutz, Gary Benzavanga, Clayton Makepeace, um, uh Arthur Johnson. I, I probably shouldn't have started mentioning people now because I'll uh, uh David Deutsch, a friend of mine i i 'll leave people out and now they 'll be offended if they hear this recording, but you could combine all their minds together and write the greatest piece of copy ever written and that and that thing could still bomb because the copy's a very small part and and usually in most freelance arrangements, uh, the most important parts are completely outside of the copywriter 's control. The only thing the copywriter is told to do is to write the copy and the copy really is just a very small, a uh, small uh, percentage of the success of the promotion. Maybe, maybe 20%.
1: That's good to know that even the best copywriters from time to time can still have a piece of copy that doesn't perform as they'd like. So I think for the rest of us, that's quite comforting.
0: Um, oh, absolutely. When uh, I worked, I worked, side-by-side side with Gary Halbert for a year and a half. In fact, for most of that time, well, for four months, he, sh- he shared my home in Costa Rica. He was a roommate, and then he talked me into moving into the same apartment building as him in Miami. So um, we were together a lot of the time, and we worked on a lot of projects together, and most of the stuff that he wrote um, did not work. Not only did it not work out, some of it just didn't work out and needed to be tweaked, but most of it was just a pure one hundred percent bomb it It just stunk so bad it wasn't even worth saving. It just needed to be you know uh uh crumpled up and tossed into the waste back basket. most of the stuff he wrote mm-hmm. um you know a, a small percentage was successful and that's all you need my god if if one out of every 10 pieces you write is successful that one
1: piece more than makes up for the nine failures what's the intelligence or creativity stimulating secret of the a-list copywriters
0: well you made me go back into uh i've been right i've been writing a a print newsletter for well i just finished my 28th um issue so you made me go back into issue 9 okay. to uh to make sure I get it all right <laughs> okay. I, I came up with that name i i don't know that a lot of the a list copywriters do it i i know a few i've shared this with a few of the a list guys um i don't know if they do it but i do know a few of the a list guys have learned a few of these secrets on their own mm-hmm. but um Basically, I'll, I'll go through it quickly. What it's something you can use when you want to really focus on something, um, whether it's some sort of creative period or some uh, uh, a writing period, you really want to focus with maximum creativity and maximum mental energy on the task at hand. And what we're going to do is we're going to manipulate certain hormones. Um uh, through through diet and a couple and a couple other supplements and kind of manipulate some brain chemicals, uh, to give us a super boost in mental focus and creativity. And it's pretty easy to do. I'll I'll go through the steps. Um, you, you need to start this, well, whatever you're, let's say you want to be super creative during a writing period. You need to schedule that writing period first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. But this whole process needs to start the night before. Mm-hmm. So the night before, don't consume anything but water at least five hours before going to bed. And then immediately upon awakening in the morning, you're going to consume a supplement called Branched Chain Amino acids. You can Google it. It's a combination of three amino acids. And uh, amino acids are simply what, you know, protein is made of. When you eat a steak or chicken, when your body digests it and breaks the protein down, it breaks it into a variety of amino acids. And branched chain amino acids is, a, that's a supplement that just contains three Of those amino acids, L-leucine, L-valine, and L-isoleucine. So don't you don't have to worry about the details of that. Just look up branched chain amino acids. Um, A little consumer warning: a lot of there's a lot of um, um, unethical supplement companies (laughs) who use Mm -hmm. really poor quality ingredients, or they don't, their products don't meet label claims. So. Make sure you use a well respected company's um branch chain amino acids. Um, if it's kind of a generic uh, you know lesser known brand and the price is really low, that's a pretty good indicator that it's not a good product um, and that can cause you all kinds of problems like diarrhea and stuff. so you don't want to deal with that. You want to buy a The highest quality branched chain amino acid product you can find. Um, I I take um, a ten grams uh, the the product I use each capsule is a thousand milligrams a combination of branched chain amino acids. I take uh, at least um, ten of those capsules. Okay. So I I take ten thousand. Milligrams or ten grams. Um, at times I've taken more. At times I've taken twenty. Um, you need that amount for the for the effect to take place. The, by the way, this is something I learned from my bodybuilding days. We used to do this to burn fat and build muscle. But what's unusual about these three branched chain amino acids? They are the only amino acids that can be used by your brain as an energy source. Mm-hmm. So you wake up in the morning and you take your branch chain amino acids. Um, you, you don't eat anything. You just take the branch chain amino acids with uh, water and then wait 20 to 30 minutes before your writing period. I think ideally what you should do is just go for a quick walk. It doesn't have to be a brisk pace walk. It can just be a slow walk. Just to start, you know, get yourself moving and clear your mind. And when you come back from your walk, um, you need to eat a combination of a protein and a fat. We're gonna get and zero carbohydrates. This is because we're manipulating hormones here, insulin being one of them. And the minute you eat carbohydrates, insulin is secreted, and that can cause some mental fatigue. So. Let's let's make this as simple as possible. Uh, the 30 minutes after taking your branch chain amino, amino acids, eat two eggs. However you want, hard boiled, um, scrambled, however you want, just two eggs. It, they contain the ideal proportions of protein and fat, and there's no carbohydrates, which we have to avoid. Carbohydrates like the the plague for this work. In fact, if you go through this whole process. And you eat any kind of carbohydrates, like you have a little bread with your eggs, you've just ruined the entire effect, and it's not going to work.
1: Okay.
0: So, so eat a couple eggs, and and I like to, um, you know, just eat that I'm not totally satisfied. I like to still be a little bit hungry. Um, Halbert even he recommended that people write when they're hungry. So, just a couple eggs or just one egg. And what that does is with a combination of the amino acids and not eating any carbohydrates, um so there's no insulin release, um it keeps your energy levels steady and um and the the branch chain amino acids uh um give your brain a bit of a boost in energy and um i I think you'll find that it allows you to uh focus better during that creative period, there's a way that you can take that up another notch if, and, and put it on, on steroids, quote unquote, uh, in addition to everything I just described, we can add a drug to this process, which can be quite helpful for stimulating creativity and, and, and mental focus. um, don't worry it's a legal drug it is it is now my favorite vice and drug and that is caffeine and i prefer my caffeine in the form of coffee <clears throat> so um after you've eaten your two eggs uh or with your eggs you can have uh, you know either a couple of caffeine pills if you prefer or a cup of coffee again if you're going to drink coffee or tea um in the uk i think a lot of people prefer tea to coffee if you're gonna drink coffee or tea again you have to have zero carbohydrates so you cannot use any sweeteners period don't even use the artificial stuff because that can also cause insulin release so it just has to be coffee or tea you can't even use milk or half and half in your coffee or tea if you prefer you can use heavy whipping cream uh, which is pure cream, it has no carbohydrates. It's pure fat. So it won't, uh, it won't stimulate insulin release. Any, any insulin release is going to screw up the results of this. If you're going to try this, I would prefer that you try it without the caffeine and see how you react to it. And then maybe wait a week, try it again and add the caffeine to it and see if that takes it to another level. But I think what you're going to find is it's going to allow you to to uh focus much more on on the task at hand your mind is going to want, want wonder i'm sorry wander w-a-n-d-e-r less um and you may find yourself coming up with much more creative ideas than you normally would the most important part of this though i think you're going to find is just a much more intense focus do you find that it's a very subtle change or is it very noticeable um, for some people, it can be subtle. Uh, other people it can be quite dramatic okay. um, especially if people are accustomed to eating a breakfast consisting of some sort of cereal like cornflakes or they just have some toast or fruit um, and that's their breakfast um, those people are probably going to feel a rather dramatic effect because See, like, if I sit down to a breakfast of just toast, mm-hmm. um, that immediately stimulates an insulin release. Um, you know, it spikes the blood sugar. This, this all goes back to my bodybuilding days and <laughs> how how I wound up, you know, turning this into a copywriting lesson. God knows, but <laughs> um, so those carbohydrates um, stimulate, or a donut or whatever you prefer, it stimulates an immediate release in blood sugar. Which um, you know is, a, is an immediate energy boost. My God, add coffee with or tea and sugar and a crumpet or something like that, and you get this immediate energy boost. Problem is, you get an immediate insulin release. So insulin starts shuttling that that uh, that that sugar in your blood, that energy boost, it immediately starts shuttling it away into other cells, into fat cells or whatever. So. It's an instant energy boost, but you also crash quite, quite quickly. It's not a long-term energy boost. This system we've just been talking about, uh, because of the, 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 branch chain amino acids, the hormone manipulation, the avoidance of a, of a blood sugar spike, the avoidance of an insulin release, and the combination of the protein and the fats give a long-term, um, uh, energy source. And so if you're accustomed to tea and crumpets a, a, as your breakfast and you try this plan, I think you may be amazed at the, at the effects you feel and the increase in focus and increase
1: in energy levels. Brilliant. To take our conversation in a slightly different direction now, Dan, what statistics should matter most to a copywriter? Percentages like conversion rates or just cold hard dollars earned? Well,
0: you know, as spending most of my career as an entrepreneur, uh, I, I didn't care I mean I tracked um I I tracked percentages, of course, but mm-hmm. frankly I, I didn't care about them. The only thing I cared about was uh, you know, bottom line net profit mm-hmm. um or if it was customer acquisition program. All I cared about was cost per acquisition. Um, you know, I knew my numbers. I knew what each customer was worth to me on average, lifetime customer value. I knew what I could afford to spend to get a new customer. I, I didn't care, you know, my customer acquisition response was, you know, point zero 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 one. I really didn't care. Um, as long as it brought in new customers and it brought in customers at the cost per acquisition that I wanted to stay within, you know, to help with uh, percentages. Same thing when I was promoting products on the back end. If I invested, you know, X amount of dollars in a back end promotion, um, you know, and the response was, you know, point zero 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 five, yet, you know, I had a five times return on investment. I just could care less about the response percentages. Um I wrote a um, I wrote a piece of copy. Um this was back when I actually was looking for clients. I wrote a piece of copy that got a 100% uh response. Um sent to cold lists, completely cold lists, people who didn't know me from Adam. And I got a 100% response. Well, guess how much money I made from my piece that had the 100% response?
1: Uh, I'm not sure. Millions? I Zero.
0: <laughs> I made nothing, not one cent. In fact, I was actually in the negative because um, I sent it via FedEx. So I had to send it to each prospect via FedEx, which was a little bit costly for me back then. Mm-hmm. So... 100% response on a piece of copy and I lost money. So frankly, I don't really care about percentages. What's even working for clients, you know, I see a lot of freelance copywriters bragging about, well, I, on a recent piece, I got 40% response. That tells me nothing.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, that their client could have lost millions on their promotion. They got a 40% response. I'm not that – I really don't care about percentages. I track them. Um, but more importantly is, you know, what is important to the client. A recent client, his his criteria was um, he said, mate, because he's from New Zealand. And he said, mate, although that's a common U.K. term too, yeah, isn't it? It is, yeah. So he tells me, mate, if we can get new customers – for hundred and fifty dollars each i'm going I'm going to be ecstatic if we're a little over that that's fine if we're under that then um you know we're gonna have a huge party and he didn't care if my piece you know he didn't care about the response percentage that that was the goal we were shooting for so mm-hmm. um based on my experience as spending um the past 18 years as a serial entrepreneur and now the past year as a full-time freelance copywriter, yes, we track percentages, but that's really
1: not important. Brilliant. I often hear the term control being used as a copywriting term. Can you clarify for us, Dan, what is a control piece? A control piece
0: is the piece that you're using or your client's using currently that's working for them right now, whatever that is. um an email, a, a website, a direct mail piece—it's the piece they're using uh, that's working. And um, uh, a, a lot of times, you'll hear about beating the control. They, um, once people have a control that's working for them, it's either acquiring customers at the cost they they want to acquire customers uh uh for or it's a back end piece it's returning a certain percentage return on investment or or making a certain amount of money each month they want to you know constantly tweak and improve that so they get better results and that's when you hear the term beat the control or you know i want you to beat the control what they want you to do is either write a new piece that works better than their con- current control or or make some changes to their current control to try to get it to perform better
1: i know this is a huge topic dan but what would you say are the main factors what are the things that you would try to tweak first of all if you had to try and be a control piece well the first thing i look at is uh, the copy definitely
0: is not the most important thing Uh, the most important thing is the eyeballs reading the copy so the first thing i want to know is who's reading this copy? Who, who are you sending this to? How are these, who are these people? How are you getting, um, these people into your funnel or, or how are these people getting your piece and who are they? And, uh, you know, tell me about them because, um, the the client may be sending their piece or maybe getting traffic. That's not their ideal prospect or the ideal customer. So if you can, uh, change the deal that they're getting a more qualified uh, person receiving their piece, that can have a huge impact. Um, the second thing I look at is, again, it really doesn't have anything to do with the copy per se. Um, I always look at the offer. And try to evaluate: Is this the best possible offer we can make? Um, if it's, if it's uh, to acquire new customers, you know, so this is going to people who don't know us, and we're trying to get them to spend money with us for the first time. Um, I always look at the offer: Is it have, have we created the lowest barrier to entry that we possibly can? Have we made this as risk-free as possible? as we possibly can. A, a very easy way to beat a control, if it works out with the numbers, if if you're willing to do it, um, if you're the business owner, or if the client is willing to do it, um, the easiest way to beat the control is to um, uh, basically do some kind of deal where it's risk-free as possible. They get some sort of free trial um, or they just pay a small shipping and handling fee um, to get a free trial. There's the classic 30-day hold where, look, we're going to send you our widget. Um, You know, give us your credit card number so we can charge you a shipping and handling fee. But we're not going to bill you for 30 days, okay? We literally want you to try this free for 30 days, you know? If you're not happy with it in thirty days, send it back. We won't even charge your card um, We'll just destroy the credit card information. If you're happy, keep it. We'll bill you in thirty days. Those are um you know some quick and easy ways to be to control, and that's without even touching the copy That's leaving pretty much ninety nine percent of the copy as
1: is fantastic, Dan, thanks a lot for all the information that you shared. It's been great. Where can we get more of this kind of information and content from you? Uh best place for that is my website at Dobermandan.com.
0: It's Doberman Like the Dog, and it's all one word, Dobermandan.com. Um I've got a couple hundred uh blog posts up there. And um you, you may also want to check out my resources. Section. I also write um, where where I share my my best stuff is in my offline newsletter, the Doberman Dan Letter, and you can find information about that in the resources section at DobermanDan.com. But there there are a, a, a ton of articles and case histories that you can read for free at DobermanDan.com.
1: Fantastic. That's the end of today's show. Thank you for tuning in. I highly recommend that you go and check out Dan's site and his offline newsletter. There'll be a link just below in the transcript or the description where you can click and find out more. Dan, I just want to thank you once again. This has been really fun and thank you for coming on the show.
0: Thank you, Joey. I appreciate the invitation. It was great speaking with you. The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates increasing customer value and getting things done fast listen take action make money